Hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone. You Are Not Alone is a 1v1 horror actual play podcast. I'm Blaine, your host and RPG-loving friend. Before we get started, if you like the podcast, please consider rating and reviewing us on whatever podcatcher you use. It really helps other folks find us. If you'd like to be a guest, recommend a game, or just say hi, you can find me on Twitter at notalone underscore horror, or email me at youarenotalonepod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Happy Pride Month to all my wonderful listeners who are celebrating. Every year, I look forward to celebrating along with y'all and love seeing so many people enthusiastically embracing a life lived authentically, while we continue to work and advocate for equality and love. This week, we're continuing our game of Heroic Chord with Cat McDonald. Last episode was pretty light on the horror, but I'm a big fan of slow horror, and trust me when I tell you, that's what we have here. Mitchell, our brave boy, has been traveling through the Goat Home Velt on his way back to the desert enclave he lives in. Mitchell smelled a delicious stew cooking and found himself at a small pastoral cottage in the middle of an area that has been abandoned for nearly a hundred years due to the horrors of war that haunt the veldt. When Mitchell knocked on the door, he met Marjorie, an old woman living on her own in a little slice of paradise. Marjorie invited Mitchell in for some dinner. As the stew finished, Marjorie and Mitchell sat down for a bit of tea and conversation. As the episode wrapped up, Mitchell noticed one of the chairs at the table had not been moved for a very long time. There's a cellar door hidden away beneath a mat. Let's join Mitchell and Marjorie at the table, shall we? So yeah, so let's let's see, what does Mitchell observe? The first thing Mitchell notices... Because this is in the direct area in which Mitchell is in. There is the chair that Marjorie directed you to. And then there is the chair that Marjorie obviously always sits in. And there is the the third chair at this table very obviously has not been moved in a very long time. Just the way that, like, it's sitting there. It, it's a little bit dusty. You can kind of see, like, more recent kind of imprints in the floor of the of the cottage where these two chairs have been moved. Those are not there for this third chair. It is, it has, it has been sitting in its exact location for a very long time. I think the other thing that Mitchell notices is that there is... Like a, 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 I probably made out of like dried grass. There's like a, a mat in front of the fireplace. And looking at that mat, Mitchell can see that there's kind of an indentation in the mat that would lead you to believe that there's probably a cellar door beneath that mat. Hmm. And I think that's, that's really the two kind of unusual things that Mitchell really notices about about this this space. Hmm. Huh. And uh, as Mitchell is kind of just staring off and investigating this space and looking for things that might be odd or off, uh, Marjorie comes back with a steaming cup of of tea. Oh. And places it down in front of Mitchell and says, I, I gather the leaves and flowers for this tea myself. Oh, thank you. Uh, it, it smells wonderful. And she sits down and she has uh, a cup of tea herself uh, in front of like her spot at the table that is less, less steaming hot. And she takes a sip of it and says, so you are headed to the desert? Yes. Um... I, uh, I mean, I don't live in the desert desert, but, uh, my home is, um, near an oasis near the scrubland. Oh, that's, that sounds hot. Yeah, it gets hot. Yeah. But once you've lived there long enough, you kind of get used to it. I suppose that that is true of any, any home we make for ourselves. I can barely ever hear the the goat's bells anymore. Mm. 
You know, you hear like the frolicking of the goats outside, announced by uh, the the ring of the bell. Oh, well, the goats are like that. They make everything seem a little quieter. They are. If they, if it weren't for that, those bells, I don't. I would. I would never be able to find them. <laughs> Tricky little things they can be. And she lets a little bit of like silence linger. As she takes a sip of tea. And then she says, Well, you, uh, you, you grow all your food here, hmm? Uh, I, I saw some bees. I saw some, a beautiful garden. Oh, thank you so much. I, I do. We have, not often, but every so often people will pass by and I can, I can trade for bits of meat and, and, you know, things that I'm unable to, to, take care of myself, but for the most part I'm able to, to survive here just fine. Oh, well. Seems like a like quiet place to live at least. I suppose you're not a city type, are you? Oh, not at all. My my husband, before he passed, always wanted to go live in the big city, but that was not... That's not Marjorie one bit. Nah. I get the same way. There's so many people, it's overwhelming. Yeah, I don't know how. There's it's just so much noise. I went once with my parents, and it was so loud. Mm. So what do you do around here when the sun sets? You said the goats look after you? Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I sleep. I sleep well. I, re- I read sometimes. Hmm. Well, it's important to get your sleep. Heaven knows that gets hard. It's true. It's true. So where were you? Where where were you before? Uh, you're, you're heading home. Where were you? Oh, well, I mean, I grew up on the coast. Way down south. And uh, then I uh, I heard from Hector. And I thought, well, I guess I better go find this giant tortoise. And uh, that's a... A story I'm sure everybody tells, but and then I uh, I settled in at the Starlight Archive, and uh, mostly I do search and rescue missions for people. You know, that's important work. Well, sometimes folks stray a little bit too far away, and they need a little bit of help getting home. Gods know, I know that. My my Jacob, he is he's always gone. Mm. Yeah? Your son? Yes, yeah, yeah, Jacob. He's uh he's a good boy, but he's been gone for for so long. Ah. Well, I can't throw stones about that. I'm sure my mother is livid with me for not visiting more often, and rightly, rightly, and Mitchell kind of raises a hand like, <laughs> "Yep, yeah, she's she's not wrong. I need to go home." You should you should visit your mother the next time you're in the area. I'm sure she'd love to see you. Yeah. Maybe after I'm maybe after I wrap up a little bit of business, I'll take some time and head south. And one thing I want to give give you since you rolled incredibly well uh, with that last roll, uh, you definitely notice that when Marjorie brings up her son Jacob her eyes go to the chair that has not moved in a very long time. Mm, okay. Mm. So what did that son of yours head off to do? If you don't mind my asking, uh, of course. So I shouldn't pry any more than I already have. And I think that at that, she kind of like, she stiffens up in a way that like, she obviously doesn't want to really talk about that. And she's in that kind of wonderful elder way of diverting things. She just immediately goes like she, she makes this like comically protracted sniffing motion. And she's like, Oh, look at that. The stew is ready. Oh, wonderful. And yeah, Mitchell just lets her drop that. He just lets it happen. And uh, she scurries over to the fireplace and, and gets two bowl, like two clay bowls, fills them with stew and she like brings another small like lidded pot out of the fire area and opens it and 
immediately the room smells uh, fills with the smell of of fresh baked bread she kind of reaches in to this this pot and pulls a, a small loaf of bread out and kind of breaks it in half and brings this bread and and stew over to the table oh it smells wonderful marjorie oh thank you thank you it's i've been making it for quite some time now and and she's like oh i almost forgot and she goes over to like a little basket uh and opens it and brings out this little bowl with two little two little bowls one has uh fresh butter in it and one has fresh honey and she sets it down uh, and says for the bread oh thank you you think of everything and kind of immediately just goes into eating. You could tell that she's quite possibly as as hungry as Mitchell. Yeah. And he's been wandering around all day. And uh, you sit down. It is a very delicious stew. It's a, it's a, a mutton stew with fresh vegetables. It's very herbaceous. You would imagine that, you know, in one of those gardens, she has a, a selection of herbs. So it is a, a kind of shockingly sophisticated meal for a little cottage out in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. Tastes every bit as good as it looks. Thank you so much for sharing this with me. Oh, you are so welcome. And there is, as the sun begins to set even lower... This kind of idyllic sound of bees buzzing outside and the chime of the bells around the necks of these goats. Hmm. <sighs> you know, this is really just a lovely place, isn't it? It is my little slice of heaven. Yeah. And she looks out and sees that it's getting dark and says, uh... I don't have much room, but if you'd like, I do have a, a, a little cot if you'd like to spend the night. I, you know, I was planning on traveling through the night, but if if you're offering, I think I'll take you up on that. Thank you very much. Oh, you're so welcome. She kind of, at this point, has finished her stew and she gets up to, like, very obviously, like, she's going to go get this little cot to set up for you. And she looks back and she says, I have, not too long ago, some traders passed this way, and I have the most delicious apples. Oh. So I'll whip us up a little dessert once I get your cot set up. You know, you're too kind. You're, you're absolutely entirely too kind. And she runs into that other room, and you hear like a dragging sound as she brings. Oh, do you need me to help with that? Oh no, I'm I'm fine, darling. You uh you finish your meal. There is this continued dragging sound and she drags. It's a it's not a large a large cot, but it's big enough to to be a comfortable spot for Mitchell to sleep when it be, when it comes to that. No. Oh. There's like a there's a straw a thin straw mattress over you know, a, a a wooden frame, and there are. I imagine there's got to be like whatever, whatever the Amilta equivalent of like a crocheted blanket is. Oh, lovely! Obviously made by hand by Marjorie. Ah, and after she has it kind of set up, you know, there's a little pillow, the blanket, all that. Uh, she goes over to another basket in the. In the kind of cooking area and uh, opens it up and pulls out some apples and begins to go to work on what uh, you imagine is this dessert she promised. Oh. And she comes back over to the table with like a knife and like a little wooden cutting board in these apples and begins to use the knife to like peel them, but doesn't want to like... You are her guest, and you, you wager she probably doesn't get a ton of guests here. So she kind of wants to be present for conversation while still working. Yeah. Mitchell offers at least three times to help. He has no idea what helping would entail. Not sure he would know the first thing to do, but he does offer persistently. And she, like any, any good grandmother... The second, the second Mitchell offers is like, oh no, it's fine, dear. What, let me ask you this, what about this 
dessert that she's preparing reminds Mitchell of home. I think he's he's definitely used to like fruit pies, but like Mitchell grew up in what is effectively the tropics, so he's not used to apples. So this is like an unfamiliar fruit in a familiar context. Okay. So yeah, probably, I mean, mangoes and all of those kinds of like wonderful, like very vibrant tropical fruits. Yeah. So yeah, and it seems like you're going to, you're guessing she's going to make some kind of like quick pie where it's not like, you know, making the dough and like rolling it out and all of that, but probably instead making like a batter that goes on top of these. Mm. And you're watching as she like, very expertly peels these apples and then she sets them down on the cutting board and begins to cut them into small thin slivers and you're sort of just watching as she does this with the the hands of someone who has done this so many times and for a moment as someone as observant as Mitchell is i imagine that Mitchell is kind of transfixed by this like all of the knowledge and stories that are held in these hands as she's chopping these apples into slices and Mitchell is watching as the knife goes through the apple through the apple and then Marjorie begins to cut into her fingers Oh, um, you, uh, you kind of, uh... And she doesn't seem to notice. But there's this blood running down her fingers as she continues to cut deeper down her fingers. Mitchell, like, lurches to his feet. He's like, no, are, are, are you okay? Like, do you need, do you need help here? Like, um, I should... What are the spell pieces here? That is a good question. My players surprise me every time they ask that question. So I think the spell pieces that Mitchell is aware of, we will say abundant honey and grass. I'm going to roll some dice to find out if there's more. Alrighty. I'm going to roll the more dice, which is sensitivity focus. Mitchell is a sensitive fellow. A sensitive lad who rolled a single success on a very many dice. Again. Does one successy tell him anything else? Let me see here. I, I'm going to give Mitchell one more spell piece. And it is howling. Cool. Cool, that's not ominous. I'm not upset by that. Cool, rad. I'm going to ignore it. (laughs) I think what Mitchell is going to do is he is going to try to cast, he's going to cast Abundant Strength. Okay. Which is going to be essentially just like a healing spell. He's trying to restore her strength. He's trying to like restore the integrity of her body and fix the damage that she's done. Which Mitchell is only about 30% convinced was accidental. And I, I will, uh, before, before Mitchell crashed the spell, I will say that, like, Marjorie does not seem to be aware of this. Like, she is not acting surprised or hurt. And actually, like, seems almost confused by Mitchell's interjection. Yeah, and... Mitchell, I think Mitchell's gonna take a second to be like, your your hand, you've you you've cut your hand very badly. Are you okay? And then he's gonna cast his his spell. He wants to fix hand. So I think that as sort of a uh, a meta thing that like Mitchell's kind of aware of in the back of his head, but doesn't necessarily know why this is. I I think this would normally be, like, a a pretty simple, like, one or two scatter spell. Yeah. In this moment, I'm going to say that uh, it's actually a three scatter spell. Oh, dear. 
Because there is something that Mitchell is kind of unaware of. Well, vaguely aware of. Uh, Mitchell is slowly, he's slowly and upsettingly becoming aware of. Yes. And it's it's that sort of thing where, like, I think in the, like, uh, I've, Mitchell has probably cast a spell similar to this before. Oh, yeah. He, he rescues people. Yeah. So, like, he is keenly aware of, like, what it feels like to his, like, his soul when he casts this spell. And it's a little bit worse than normal. Oh, cool. Cool. Now he's approximately 20% sure she did it accidentally. So what does this spell look like? Like, how does it, what, what does it look like when it heals, heals a wound? Mitchell's magic is very solar, very sunny. And so like, it looks like just like a bright golden light and it's very warm and it kind of congregates around the wound and it's just a, just a classic healing spell, I think. <laughs> Excellent. And I think as the light fades, the bit of her finger that was cut off has regrown and Marjorie, like, in Mitchell is like, you know, mentioning her hand. And Marjorie like holds her hand up at that point and says, "What? What? It looks fine to me." Uh, <laughs> um, will you? Uh, and he he points at like all the blood, and uh, she looks at the apples and doesn't seem. If she notices it, she's not letting on that she notices it. And in fact, I think she actually like picks up one of the slices that has blood on it and puts it in her mouth and starts to chew. And she's like, these apples are so good. Oh, they they look uh, wonderful. Uh, Mitchell's going to point at the 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 finger bit and just like you, you. But you did, you cut yourself very, very badly. Um, Maybe let's set the pie aside for now. (laughs) And she still doesn't seem to acknowledge that she's hurt herself in any way. But at the insistence of setting the pie aside, she seemed like she she kind of moves the cutting board away and says, if you insist, it was going to be a delicious pie. Well, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. But I'm very, very concerned because you did hurt yourself very badly. I don't. I, I'm fine. I, I'm. I'm glad you're fine. I was. I can be a bit of a worry wart. I just would hate for you to hurt yourself on my account. Oh, don't, don't, darling, don't worry about it. I've been, I've been making my own way out here for so long. I'm fine. Yeah, I guess you're right. Here, let me get you some more. You seem rattled. Let me get you some more tea. You know, you know, some tea would would be great. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, she she goes back about uh, preparing Mitchell another cup of tea. What is Mitchell doing while she does this? Um... Seemingly oblivious to everything that just happened. Like... If I were playing a character who had a, a subtlety stat, I would say hide the knife, but he doesn't, so he won't. And I think instead he's just kind of like stunned and shaking his head and staring into the middle distance, like the finger cut off. The finger came off. What, what, fuck! What the? What is happening? Like just like staring into the middle distance, just like shocked. And it, I think it's kind of in that shock that Mitchell notices that, like, he didn't necessarily pick it up when she was she was pulling the bread out, but, like, she's not, Marjorie's not wearing gloves or anything, and, like, working, like, you notice, he notices because she, like, takes this, like, iron kettle and, like, puts it back in the fire for the water to come to a boil again, and then, like, pulls it out without gloves or anything. 
Huh. I don't uh know how to feel about that. I guess she is okay. And she finishes up preparing a cup of tea and brings it over. And she's like, you you are all nerves. I'm so sorry. You're being such a good host, and I'm I'm so jumpy. Oh, I I appreciated it with with my son gone, it, it feels nice to have someone wary over me again. Yeah, yeah, everyone wants to feel like somebody cares about them. It is a good feeling, and one that every now and then when I think about, you know, moving into a, a village or or something, like, I want to keep this, this property alive because my husband loved it. But, like, it is nice, the idea of being around people again. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. And she sits down and takes like a very loud sip of her tea and is just kind of watching you. Yeah, I, uh, after I spend enough time out in the big world, I sometimes just want to be with people again. It is the, the greatest feeling, I think, in the whole world. Yeah. Although a good cup of tea is real close. Ha, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. This tea is lovely. You said you grew it, right? Yeah, out in my garden, um, and I grow some, some... I don't really grow, but there are dandelions around, and I make... Uh, I harvest the dandelions and dry them, and... Oh. Yeah, I've heard, re- I've heard it's really good for you, too. I I like to think it's what keeps me so young. <laughs> you may be right. I certainly feel a bit younger. Good, good. Oh. And she kind of just starts to like stare off out like out the window into the distance and sip her tea. What is uh what is Mitchell doing? Oh, geez, probably more staring around the room. And I know that's like, is that good audio? I don't know, but he's doing it. (laughs) Actually, I think what I would like to do is I would like to use my ability. That's right. You have a you have a special ability from your class. Yes. Mitchell has the ability good omen, which means he can gain one scatter. And I'm not sure why I'm doing this because it is still the beginning of this story. And I am already at four, but let's not worry about that right now. Instead, let's worry about getting a sign of what to do or where to go. So he spends one scatter and the GM presents him with an omen. Hmm. I think that as Marjorie is kind of staring out the window and, and Mitchell is really trying to like, just take in the surrounding and like, Obviously, there is something weird here. Mitchell's gaze is just immediately drawn back to that cellar door. Like, why... Why would someone who lives by themselves out in the middle of nowhere cover the cellar door? It seems as strange as just the very existence of this place. Hmm... Well, that's troubling. It is certainly unusual. Troubling. (laughs) Troubling, unusual. His omen about where to go or what to do is down? Yes. Mitchell doesn't like that. (laughs) He doesn't... He doesn't like that. He doesn't like the concept of down. He, He likes... He's pretty amenable to the concept of out right now. Out is pretty... I mean, out is certainly an option. That door is right there waiting for Mitchell. But as to the question of what is really going on here, the universe seems to be saying down. Well, yeah. Mitchell also gets a very strong feeling that broaching this subject would be dumb and bad to do. Yeah, I mean, that's... He feels like that would be a mistake. That's not uh, a bad intuition. 
And I think uh, as as Mitchell is having this internal dialogue of like out or down. All right, if I am going down, I probably shouldn't bring it up right now. Marjorie kind of like snaps out of this daze that she was in and takes another sip of tea. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Look at me being such a rude host. I'm so used to being alone here. Oh, no, please don't worry about it. I'm the one who's imposing on you. If you feel like you'd like some quiet, far be it from me to take it. Oh, that's so sweet of you. But tell me. Tell me something about your recent journey. Tell me a story. Uh, well, I do know a story. A friend of mine and I were, uh, uh, way down, way down southwest in Stageport. And we were at this bar. When the bar proprietor points us to something that's on the, uh, on the notice board, it just says frog. It just says the word frog on it. And uh, apparently somebody put it up because there was a giant frog in the bay that had been ruining people's shipping or what have you. But everyone thought it was an urban legend. And I guess the proprietor wanted us to check it out, if only to make sure nothing untoward was happening. And we get out into that bay. And sure enough, sure enough, it was bigger than our boat. This enormous frog frozen in ice at the bottom of the bay. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing. And it was not too happy when we woke it up. Oh, it was very angry with us. We, uh... I know I don't like getting woken up from naps. (laughs) Yeah, me either. But uh, eventually we did, uh, we woke it up and it started heading off into the bay after trying to take a piece or two out of us. Um, It hit me hard. It hit me pretty hard, but in the end, it swam out to sea. I don't know where it is, but left the people of Stageport alone. My friend and I got some free fish pies out of it. Oh, that's a good trade. I'm glad that you made it made it here to tell me that story. <laughs> and she laughs and like smiles, and and Mitchell notices that like some of the blood from that piece of apple that Marjorie ate has like come off on her teeth. And so there's just this like streak of pinkish red blood across the top of her mouth. Oh, he visibly shudders at that. (laughs) He just, Oh, Uh, sorry. Uh, Just, uh, just thinking about it gives me chills. (laughs) It was encased in ice after all. And she laughs. Takes another sip of tea. And I think at that point, she, like, Marjorie yawns. And is like, I, it's so wonderful to have a guest, but I'm afraid that my old bones need to go to bed soon. Absolutely need to get your rest. I wouldn't dream of keeping you up any later. Have a good night, Marjorie. Thank you so much for being such a charming host. Oh, you are so welcome. If you need anything, make yourself at home. Uh, we'll do. I, I will. I'm I'm going to bed soon myself. And uh, and she gets up and goes into uh, that other room and shuts the door and leaves Mitchell all on his lonesome. What does uh, what does Mitchell do? Shudders again, without having to make an excuse for it this time. Understandable. Is <laughs> oh. This was not a good idea. Hey, Mitchell, this was a bad idea. He says very quietly to himself. That stew smelled so good. It did smell very, very good is the thing. And he did want to make sure everybody was okay. And now he's concerned that nobody's okay. It does. It is starting to feel that way for poor Mitchell. It's starting to feel like nobody is okay here. And Mitchell's going to wait a good long time because he wants to make very sure that his host is asleep before he makes any attempts at downward. That makes sense. And so Mitchell is sitting there just waiting 
and the din of the bees dies down as the bees themselves go to bed. There is still occasionally the jingle of a bell as the whisper goats playfully scamper about the yard. Mm. I think at one point while Mitchell is waiting, he like looks out the window and just out of nowhere, one of the whisper goats is watching him. Hello there. And it's just chewing on some grass, kind of watching you almost knowingly. Hmm. What do you think? And it, it bleats and makes some goat noise. Mm. Continues to chew its grass. Be honest with me, goat. Should I bail? And you don't know if it's if wish fulfillment or what, but you feel like the goat is nodding yes. Well, universe says down, goat says out. Universe says down, goat says out. Mitchell, what do we do? He does not, well, he, the, the polite guest in him does finish his tea. Of course. Can't leave a cup of tea. I think there's nothing saying I can't take a peek before I bail. It's true. You have, you have options. So the first thing Mitchell is going to do, because he does intend to bail, he's going to pull out a pen and a piece of paper, and he's going to just write a little note thanking Marjorie for her hospitality and saying that he had to leave unexpectedly. It's the polite thing to do. That she was a wonderful host. And he's going he's gonna to hold on to that for when he does bail. Understandably. And then he's going to then he's gonna take a peek under that mat, is the thing. So he moves the mat aside, and it is... It's a cellar door. It's a, a wooden door with a, like, iron handle for lifting. If I lift this... Hmm. It's just a regular old cellar door. You don't have any, virtually any physical skills, Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell, you don't know how to athletics, Mitchell. He's not very athletic, and he's not very subtle. <laughs> and that's what I would ask my players to roll to very quietly open a cellar door. It is, it feels like if he wants to open it very quietly, that is going to be a subtlety athletics roll. I would allow, possibly, if you could make an argument for another skill. I don't know if there really is one, but, like, it's not a terribly heavy door. I mean, the closest thing I can think of that he has is navigation, because he is exploring this house and its premises. I would understand you not buying that, but... I, like, when it comes to selling skills, I'm pretty amenable. Okay. It's definitely going to be subtlety if you're trying to not be heard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would give you navigation. Why did I play a character with no subtlety? Oh, wait, neither of the characters I made for this have subtlety. Oops. Oopsie. Okay. I'm also going to add Mitchell's key of courage. That is, uh, that is fair. Instead of bailing, he is exploring. Which the audience is probably yelling at him for. <laughs> it is a horror story after all. It's not a horror story unless you yell it. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be a horror story unless Mitchell was doing something that no rational human being would ever do. Yeah, oh, oh, infinite spaghetti. Oh, spaghetti forever. Okay, so uh, my good boy Mitchell has rolled a success. And two edge successes. Okay. So, what kind of bargain do I want to give our good boy Mitchell? Our good boy Mitchell, who's such a good guest. He is such a nice guest. I, I'm going to be a little bit roughly vague. Oh, no! Vagueness! My Achilles! And say that if... If Mitchell would like to keep those edge successes, he is going to meet Jacob. So here's the thing. 
If you were to say that to Mitchell, he would say, oh, oh, it seems like Jacob might need my help very badly. <laughs> but you're saying it to Kat. <laughs> I am. A, per- a person who is not Mitchell and who is deeply concerned about this. I am going to... Okay. This is... Okay, so I need to decide, basically, which one I would less rather (laughs) run into right now. Yeah, that is a good good summary of where you're at. It's a good summary of where I'm at. Oh, audience, by the way, Mitchell's combat specialty is not. (laughs) He's a pacifist. It could, I mean, really, it could be sticky either way. Since meeting meeting Jacob, uh, like, intentionally is a little vague, so who knows what that means. You know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to keep the edge successes. He doesn't want to be caught snooping around his his host's house. That would make him a bad guest. So, So Mitchell very subtly opens the door to the basement. And it is... I mean, pretty, what you would imagine is a pretty standard, from what you can see so far, pretty standard cottage basement. There's a set of wooden stairs that lead down into the darkness. It looks like from the little bit you can see that the walls are made of stone. And it is very dark down there. Ah, don't make me spend more scatter. (laughs) What's the beginning of the story? I mean, you can, you can probably make like a a torch or something you don't have to use magic to make light although being a light based or a sun based caster it would make sense that mitchell might want to just magically do a light magically light as opposed to you know mundanely light who mundanely lights things i mean the thing is like mitchell is a traveler who was intending to travel by night he's got a light source yeah he must have like a lantern or so I think I'm going to roll Understanding Survival. Okay. Just like to not only to cover Mitchell was like Mitchell understood this a survival trip he was taking enough to have packed a lantern. I think that's that is fair. Yeah. Uh, none of those are successes, though, is the thing. I rolled three dice and they were all fours. And th- Actually, wait, I've got two fours. There's something else I can do. That's right. You have uh, another... Another class skill. Separate, uh, your your other pool of scatter. So luckily you're not adding yeah. two. Mitchell has a, a different assist pool. Every, every different kind of ranger has kind of a special friend. And Amagus has the stars. And one of the things the stars can do for you is if you scatter into this assist pool, they guide you toward perfection and you can count threes and fours as successes. Excellent. So you can do that. And then I, I mechanically, I really like the assist pool. So for our listeners, if you're assist pool, it's a separate separate pool, of five, five points that you can fill up instead of your regular scatter. And what it, if you happen to fill that pool, there's kind of a negative personality trait that comes out so it's sort of a role-playing a a role-playing thing and a small mechanical thing that that comes out if your assist pull is full yes which i hope we do not see for mitchell i'm gonna cross my fingers for him i mean it could be worse it could be worse so you spend uh you spend that one point and so those are successes now, so you have packed a lantern that you can use to easily shed light into the cellar. Okay. So the part of the cellar, the cellar actually seems to be a little bit bigger than the cottage itself. And uh, as you shine the lantern down there, Mitchell sees kind of at the bottom of the stairs, like the one part that Mitchell can really see without actually having to go down into the cellar is a shelf built against the wall that has like jars of preserved food 
so a lot of vegetables. There's some like salted meat and vinegar that you know can be used when uh, regular meat is not readily available. Kind of all of the things that you would expect from someone living out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. See, Mitchell, it's just cellar stuff. It's just a regular old cellar. It's just cellar stuff. Why was I supposed to go down here? Well, I've been wrong before. And he goes to he goes to turn around. All right. Closing that cellar door? Yes. All right. So Mitchell close. I'm not going to make you roll again. That would be mean. Be mean. You are able to very quietly close the cellar door. And you're like moving the rug back in place and like getting getting your lantern put out and like back among your your belongings. I don't want to assume, but uh, is Mitchell putting that 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 letter down? Yep, he's setting the note on the table, and he's he's getting ready to head out. So Mitchell sets the letter down, and when he turns around, door is open. Cool. And there is a figure standing in the doorway. And at first it's kind of difficult to see because it is standing outside and it is nighttime now. But it steps in and the fire in the fireplace illuminates it. And you see a a young man. How old is Mitchell? Mitchell is, uh, I think, in his late 20s. So this is actually, this, this figure, this young man, is, looks younger than Mitchell by a good couple of years. You are thinking probably like maybe 21 or 22 at best. Wearing, let me, this is sort of both a question for, for Mitchell and for Kat. Oh, as someone who is new to this game. What about Jacob reveals to Mitchell that Jacob was a soldier in the last war? I don't think it's as much the clothing as it is like a weapon. A weapon prominently carried that like looks probably like technologically somewhat like advanced or alien. Like he's, he's carrying a weapon that clearly does not belong in modern Amilta. And there's like, there's blood, which is like, it takes Mitchell a moment to register. Oh, oh, from killing other people because in modern Amilta, that doesn't, it's not that people don't kill each other, but it's that there isn't war anymore. Yeah, so that is not a thing. See, I think maybe, like, because there's blood on it, like, maybe it's some kind of, like, serrated blade that has, like, a grip on it that, like, when it's activated, like, the blade itself moves. So it's almost like a, a, a giant, like, car- like um, electronic carving knife from Earth standards. That's slung across his back, and he's wearing some uniform from some faction of the war. And I mean, Mitchell doesn't know a lot about ancient history. See, so yeah, you have uh, Mitchell has no idea who he fought for, but this weapon is very should be very old, but it's not. Uh, it looks very new and very bloody. Thank you to Kat for designing such a cool game and agreeing to let me run a spooky version of it. And thank you to you for listening. If you like what you heard, check out Heroic Chord over at peachgardengames.itch.io. Our theme song is Everybody Knows My Name by Harley Poe. Thank you to Joe Whiteford for letting us use it. Join me on June 25th for more Heroic Chord with Kat McDonald. Until then, remember that you are strong. You are are beautiful and you are not alone.
Cause I kill There's different sources I 